Recovery Elevator, episode 172. And, and it just wasn't working for me the way it used to. It was, you know, becoming just this thing I, I needed. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. According to the Recovery Elevator sobriety tracker on my phone, it has been 45.21 months since my last drink. On today's podcast, we've got Beth. She's 39 years old from New Jersey. She's a mother of three, and she's been sober since November 1st, 2017. Okay, let's get started. I want to talk about me for a minute. Uh, I'm kidding on that one. We've done enough of that lately. I actually want to talk about you. Yes, you. The person driving to work right now listening to this podcast. The person on the treadmill. The person training for their half marathon this summer. The person at the office with the earbuds in. The person doing laundry with the kids in the background chirping. And you're trying to achieve the better version of you. I want to talk about the Tim 1.0 that's making that transition to Tim 2.0. The Tammy that's going to 2.0. You get the point. I want to talk about the brave people who are listening to this podcast right now. The brave people who are making the journey into sobriety. I want to talk about how brave you are. And let's look at the definition of brave. Brave. Ready to face and endure danger or pain. Showing courage. I've done podcasts about who is listening with stats, with data, etc. But I think that's probably the best description to date of who is listening to this podcast. You are all so brave and so amazing. There was a time when you weren't ready to face and endure the pain. When the idea was nothing more of an idea. There wasn't much action. You didn't bring people on board with this plan. I know there was a time when I thought I was ready, but I wasn't. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're ready. You're a brave and courageous soul who is ready to face what is holding you back. Ready to encounter your blind spots in life and surpass them at any lengths. So not knowing about our blind spots is comfortable. Having somebody reveal a blind spot is uncomfortable. And then there's this group of people. We actually go out and seek our blind spots. That's nothing short of amazing. That's you guys. You are so brave and incredible. You're willing to fail, which is more than the majority of the people on this planet are willing to do. And I'm not talking about failing once or twice. I'm talking about getting knocked down over and over and over, but if there's one consistency I've seen from the history of this podcast is that we keep getting back up. This type of people, us, we don't stop. We don't stop getting back up and we don't stop moving forward. It's incredible to see. You keep moving forward because you're brave. And most importantly, you keep moving forward because deep down, you know you're worth it and you deserve it. You might be saying to yourself, okay, wait a second, Paul. Uh, okay, I'm brave. I got it, but uh, I, I'm, I'm scared. And, and there's this four-letter word that starts with F and ends in E-A-R, fear. I've got a lot of that. I can't be brave and, and courageous if, if I've got fear inside me and I'm, I'm doing this journey, this, this, this big journey into sobriety. I, that can't be right. Fear is normal. It's all part of the process. And if you were going on this journey and you didn't experience any fear, if you didn't feel those emotions, that would actually be the bigger problem. So this fear that is with us, at times it can be unhealthy. At times it can be overwhelming, but just know it's all part of the process. 
I know the fear can be overwhelming. I kind of just went through it. I've been sober for a little bit of time now, and fear is still part of my journey. However, now I embrace the fear and do my best to learn from it. You are all so brave. Despite this pervasive, intangible force called the stigma surrounding alcohol, drugs, and addiction, that stigma can be more dangerous than alcohol itself. It has been my mission to shred the shame surrounding this stigma, but it's going to take time. And it's so cool to see you guys shred the shame and not be defined by this stigma. And at first, we keep it a secret. And I know this because I was there. I get the emails about Cafe RE. Hey, are you 100% certain this is a closed private group? Great question, by the way, right? We all were there in our journey, and it is a closed private group. And then I see others go along their journey into sobriety, into their new 2.0. And it's like that scene in Office Space at the beginning of the movie where the guys where the guys in his car listen to that gangster rap, and then you see somebody up, like somebody walking on the sidewalk. He like turns it down, lowers the seat. The person walks a little further and he starts blasting it again. Yeah, like we're starting to gain our footing. We're starting to realize who we are. And then I see people who start freaking podcasts, right? Recovery podcasts. They're open. They post it on their Facebook group. It is so amazing to see this progression. It's incredible because you guys are so brave. Recovery Elevator, episode 170. That was a bomb I dropped. Dropped the same bomb in the private recovery group's Cafe RE. Some people saw it as a value bomb. Some people saw it as just a straight up uh, bomb. There were so many reactions. No reactions were right. No reactions were wrong. They were simply all perfect, including mine. I'll have to admit, some of my reactions, based on other people's reactions, were based on fear, were based on control. And I learned a lot during this. But the people in these groups, um, I, that, was a, that was a bomb. It was a big bomb. And you guys have been so brave to, to go through it with me. So thank you. At times, I needed your bravery to help me get through it. Oh, yeah, back to this progression. There was this guy named Garrett who I interviewed on episode 124. He had 16 days of sobriety. He now has his own Coffee with Gare Bear show in one of the groups every Tuesday morning. It's so cool to see. All the people who have shared their story on this podcast are brave, brave individuals. I get one to three emails per week. From people who like to be interviewed on the podcast, they can talk about a book launch or their recovery coaching program, etc. The majority of the guests on this podcast, they don't get any compensation. The only reason they're doing this is to help people, and they know they can do that by sharing their story. How badass is that? And let's talk about Beth for a second, the interviewee on this episode. Beth was nervous, and everybody is nervous on the podcast. That's like the first thing people say when we start talking. She mentioned she had 12 pages of notes typed up for the podcast. Wow, like that's how much we care about helping people. She didn't type up these notes so she could uh, you know, sell more programs or courses. No, she's typing up these notes so she can help people. And at times, like I, I, I steer her in, in different directions in the podcast, but bless her heart, like it's an amazing interview. She cares so much about this. I have good days and I have bad days, but all days I need smiles. And one thing that instantly puts a smile on my face is thinking about you, how brave, courageous, and awesome you guys are. I freaking love you. Okay, before we hear from Beth, let's hear from Cafe RE. The most important thing I've learned while doing the Recovery Elevator podcast is we can't do this alone. Believe me, I tried for over two years and it was painful. So here's the good news. With Cafe RE, you get access to a confidential and unsearchable Facebook group 24 hours a day. 
There, you can get instant accountability and genuine connection with others who also wish to lead a life without alcohol. In Cafe RE, you'll find that being sober is a tremendous opportunity and not a sacrifice. For $14 a month, you can join the conversation, be paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, attend online meetups, attend in-person Cafe R meetups, and participate in book club. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Again, use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. I hope to see you there. Beth, how are you? I am great. Paul, thank you so much for uh, for chatting with me. Yeah, it's my pleasure, and thank you for taking the time to join us. Beth, let's get right into this. How long have you been sober? I've been sober for 187 days, just over six months, and it's, uh, it's great. Yeah, before we hit record, that's November 1st, 2017, I asked that question, and you hit six months on May 2nd. Nice job. Thank you. Yeah, and yes, Beth, before thanks. we get any further, and we'll get that in a second, before we get any further, give listeners a little background about yourself, maybe where you're from, what you do for a living, your age, how old you are, and what do you like to do for fun? Okay, well, I am from New Jersey. I live in New Jersey. I grew up here, and I started my career as a teacher, a special education teacher. I was living in um, New York City at the time. And then I moved out of the city and kind of just like transitioned into educational publishing. Just I kind of burnt out from teaching, and so I, I just kind of started writing. I always loved to write, and then I ended up yeah I had I ended up just having getting married, having uh, my first child, and so I have three kids now and. I work kind of part-time. I kind of go back and forth from working full-time, part-time, um, and that's how it's kind of been throughout motherhood. But I love just doing stuff with my kids. Um, for fun, I really love to have fun. I love being outdoors. I love hiking, running, playing in the snow or the beach. I love tennis. I love art. I love music. I just kind of do everything, and I just enjoy learning and, like, I kind of why I became a teacher because I never could really like focus on one thing and I just was like I know a little I, about that I just teach yeah and it's fun gotcha. so and I'm and I'm discover oh I actually I, I started skateboarding and oh, that's I'm really awesome. really into it now and I love it and can you yeah. do any tricks not yet I'm I'm really waiting till I'm like you know really comfortable before I start doing anything my my nine-year-old nephew actually taught me and he's really good and he's like come on Aunt Beth why don't you try an ollie I'm like uh no I want to get really good and I'm, I'm getting pretty good I'm going down some hills and you know it's fun <laughs> most like cool ants know how to ollie at least a foot high I'm just throwing it out <laughs> just to let you know I'm kidding okay yeah well, so, you know, so Beth let's Let's chat about the podcast title, Recovery Elevator. Let's talk about your elevator uh-huh. and when it reached its bottom. Back it up a little bit and just give me, you know, take a couple minutes and, and get us up to speed. Well, I kind of have always loved drinking, but I've always considered myself a responsible person. And my drinking has gone through so many stages. Uh, I didn't really start till I went to college. I never kind of felt socially like I fit in and looking back, I just, uh, so many times where I just like, 
I don't know, I just kind of felt different than everybody. And when I started drinking in college, it was like, oh my goodness, this is like my solution. And um, my grandfather had passed away right before I went to college, and he was the closest person to me. And I just was like, I, I was always very emotional, and I had anxiety, you know, like a level of anxiety all the time. And I, I, I just, I, I just don't think I was ever really processing my feelings well enough. Drinking was it totally was like, oh my gosh, an eye opener. And I just made so many friends and had so much fun. And I was went to school uh, undergrad in Boston where I didn't have to, you know, we could walk to MIT frat houses. And I mean, we didn't have to worry about driving. We could, it was just like such an environment for fun and drinking. And like, I, I it was the first time I went to an all girls Catholic high school and it is just different. And I never felt like I had the real like high school experience. I don't know. And so it was like, I went to, uh, I went to BU and just, it was so diverse and people were from like all over the world and it was just so much fun. And I was also, I wanted to do well academically, but like my focus was on having fun. And then uh, when I graduated, I got right into, moved to, well, first I went to Europe and drank all around many countries <laughs> with my sister and a couple of friends yeah and so I, then I moved to New York City and I was ready to just you know get a job teaching and I've talked about this in the group before but I was working I got a job fall of 2001 and was working for a week at a school teaching kindergarten and then the World Trade Center was attacked and it was so uh, I think I'm still processing it and like I had a lot of post-traumatic stress from that I just never could I, n- I never felt at ease uh, it was just so scary and I, I had kind of like lost touch with a lot of my friends from college so you know I clung to new friends that I made and just they you know drinking was a way to like feel connected to people and I was just so I was just scared all the time and my job was really stressful um so you know I I just every weekend was was just let loose forget about life forget about stresses went to a lot of music sh- music festivals and just I was just I don't know it, it, it drinking was just such a part of my life and it was like it saved me for a while and then you know I had kids and I had I knew I needed to slow down because I burnt out with my job and hangovers were getting worse so having kids was good but I kind of did it really quick because I felt oh my gosh I need to have kids and you you, uh, you have three kids right now right I do yes okay gotcha how old are you when you had your first child I was 27 gotcha Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah. So was that around the time when you, you, you first realized that, like, wait a second, maybe this alcohol thing isn't what it's cracked up to be? Oh, yes, definitely. And I was, I was okay, well, I was kind of nervous about not being able to drink. I, you know, I, I could stop because I, I was so excited to have my son. But, you know, as soon as I had stopped, like, nursing like a few you know a few months after I you know went out with my friends into the city for you know finally like my first night out being you know a mom and being a mom is so hard and I didn't know what I, I I always had high I always thought I could do so many things and like didn't realize how how hard it would be but and I just I went out and I drank so much it was like a Wednesday night and I remember coming back on the train 
into New Jersey, and my sister was with me, and I was just, I was puking all over the train, like, mm-hmm. um, I was so excited to drink, and, like, it just, it was just, like, a focus for me, but it was, like, I, I don't know, I've never wanted to just have a drink, I've always drank to have a few, so, and I think that's why I was able to stop drinking while I was pregnant easily, because the idea of having one drink, which I couldn't, I mean, if I couldn't get drunk, there was no point to drinking. So yeah, there's no point. Um, <laughs> let's let's creep up to the to the you know day one, November first, two thousand seventeen, mm-hmm. and and maybe mm-hmm. let's talk about your drinking habits, how much you were drinking, and a couple rock bottom moments, and and did you ever try to put any rules into place, and things like that? I I did put so many rules into place. You know, the standard like oh, don't drink during the week, you know, wait till the weekend, maybe maybe Thursday night, you know, because it was close to the weekend and. That was hard because you can't be hungover teaching children, um, and I worked with children who had learning issues. So yeah, that's got to be tough. Oh, it was it was the worst. But every chance, every free time, you know, moment I had, you know, it was like I need to get, I need to go party. And then what? What are some other rules? My rules were always changing. And my mom told me when I went off to college, like we have out people in our family have some drinking issues don't drink too much you don't want to become an alcoholic i'd be like whatever mom thanks mom um, cool <laughs> my top never my bottom yeah like what else you got yeah okay so bottoms oh rules like so my rules were all they were always changing depending on the situation in my life or the stressor and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't drink hard alcohol unless I was, you know, I had a babysitter for the night and I, you know, if I was at a concert or or something and I knew I could sleep in in the morning, then I could drink as much as I want. But if not, you know, I would only drink a little, you know, I would only have wine if, you know, I was just having dinner. Um, And I loved going out to dinner and drinking wine and just like, I just, I was in, I studied abroad in Italy and you could just, we were just, I, I couldn't believe I could just buy a bottle of wine and walk around the city just drinking wine. And it was just, uh, yeah, talk to me about rules? your drinking habits, Beth, and you, how much were you drinking before <laughs> you quit drinking? I was drinking every, I, every night I was, I would have some, some red wine and just, you know, the kids had a lot of homework. It was, it, it's, there's so much pressure on kids now and I, I you know, I was a teacher and I'm I want my kids to succeed. They're very motivated and driven. So but I you know, we would get stressed out and I would just need to have a glass of wine while I was doing homework with them and you know, it kinda just it was it was a regular thing and then every once in a while I'd go out like to a book club with friends and we'd have lots of wine and go to a go to a concert, always gone to concerts and just you know, beer after beer after beer. But luckily I live somewhere where there's great public transportation into this New York City, and so I, I was always very safe with that. But I, I eventually it tore, like I had, we had a lot of stressors going on. We just moved into our house, and I, just having a toddler and then having two kids in elementary school, and they, my, my older kids do so many activities. And I was working, and I, I was just like I had stopped exercising, which was always such a great thing for me. And I just, like, I was just drinking, you know, I'd, put the, I'd drink a little with dinner, put the kids to bed, and then just, I would catch up on work. I'd be drinking while I was working, you know, throughout the night. I was, 
ended up just staying up drinking till three in the morning by myself and you know, get the kids off to school, drop, drop my youngest off at daycare, come home, take a nap because I felt so tired. And then I'd start doing a little, it was just such a pattern, but like, yeah, it's the hamster and, and, wheel. It is. It's the it, hamster yeah. wheel right there. Beth, mm-hmm. talk to me about, you know, when you first decided to quit drinking, was it close to November 1st or, or what was your bottom? What decided you to propel you forward into sobriety? Well, there were a couple, but that this past November, um, it was Halloween. I started drinking as soon as my kids got home from school, getting, you know, so excited to decorate the house like crazy and get them in their costumes. And I just, you know, they wanted to go so badly and just getting everybody ready and out the door. Like, and I was just like filling up water bottles full of wine and just making sure I had enough to walk around the neighborhood and uh, it's, I just ended up drinking so much and my oldest son wanted to go over to see his friend the other kids were tired so we went over there and I just I drank I was just drinking so much and I remember thinking like like this this mom friend of mine you know we're we partied together and you know the kids were just watching tv in the other room and just they looked so tired and like we were just drunk and I just kept thinking oh I hope he doesn't come out and see me I don't want him to see me like this and like it was hard like just getting home and I woke up at three in the morning uh I was just I in a pure panic my heart was racing and I'm like oh I can't what am I doing like this Halloween was all about me and then just like everything had become all about me and my drinking like I would have friends over and if I knew my husband had to go out for the night and I'd be stuck at home with the kids I would you know I'd tell my friend like I I need to go out and get some wine and she wasn't even a drinker and she told me later on after like that was really weird how you had to go out and have wine like because I would panic if it wasn't in the house and and my I was just I was depressed and I was just feeling so bad about myself and like doubting myself like I'm I'm not going to make, I'm, these kids need a better mom than me. Like, I don't know, you know, if I can get myself together and, but I don't know. I just, I had actually listened to your podcast like once or twice, like weeks before, because I I kind of always been wanting to improve myself. And I was listening to these like meditation podcasts and like, I wasn't even thinking about recovery, but yours was like on the recommended <laughs> on the bottom. Oh, cool. And I saw our, I saw RE and I didn't even realize it was recovery. I was like, uh, Oh, what's the RE? You're thinking the, the room essentials kitchen products. You're like, Oh sweet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I found I that out like seven, like a year after I started the podcast, somebody sent me a photo of room essentials. I was like, Oh shit. There are no original ideas left on this planet. Oh crap. <laughs> RE elevator. I was like, Wait, what is, okay. So, but, and I had tried to get sober before and I'd been to an AA meeting before and just realized, oh, these people are way more messed up than I am. So I'm not coming back. I'm not an alcoholic. So I, yeah, I just listened and I, I, I was, I thought your voice, you just, you and the person you were interviewing, they, you guys, it, it was just such a real like conversation and I just related to every single thing you guys were saying and uh, I was just like oh my goodness I really have a problem and I can't stop and it's and then so I just kept listening to your 
podcasts and I just decided after a few days, like November 5th, I was like, I need some friends who don't drink and uh, I can never leave, you know, it's so hard for me to like leave the house and I was like, this cafe sounds cool. I'll try it. And I, I was <laughs> virtual <low>. cafe sounds neat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or we actually read the book for book club and don't, don't drink wine. Okay, cool. Let's try it out. <laughs> um, so I, I was blown away by how supportive and kind and intelligent everybody was. And like, you know, I said, hi, I'm, I'm, Beth, I'm, you know, six days, seven days sober. And like, everybody's like, whoa, so glad you're here. Welcome. We're, you know, tell us something about you. I just, I was like, oh, this is cool. And I just like really, it was hard. You know, I was definitely like, I was pumped about my decision to stop. And I knew I had to stop. I was like, I just kept thinking of all the close calls I've had in life with drinking and, you know, how lucky I am to have not had anything horrible happen. Beth, I got a comment on what you Mm -hmm. you said right there when you said I got five, six days of sobriety and all these people jumped in and said, oh, so glad you're here. Beth, you found your tribe. That's that's all it is. You you found your tribe. And Mm -hmm. so many of us with our alcohol and drinking, and I know I personally banished myself from Mm -hmm. anything cool, from society, from social, whatever. And then when you Mm -hmm. find your tribe, as human beings, we need a tribe to actually survive. I mean, there's... Yep. Study, I mean, the, the Greece used to banish people's punishments, and these people would always die. They would. Because without a yeah. tribe, we cannot mm-hmm. thrive in society. So that's what yeah. it is. You, you found your tribe, and I'm happy for you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. And it just, you know, looking back, like, I remember people that I was friends with, and they were my drinking friends. Like, one of them, I told. Not your you tribe. Know, I, I, <laughs> not my tribe. But I thought this person was my tribe for a long time. Yeah. And I yeah. said, I'm going to stop drinking. And. I just got this weird blank stare, like, okay, that's cool. And just, like, gradually, just the friendship, you know, kind of ended. And well, I, I got to clarify on, on that statement with mm-hmm. mine, with mine. And when I said, it's not your tribe, like, I don't, yeah. I don't know that about your life. And I found out that a lot of people in my life, they're still part of my tribe today. You know, mm-hmm. there's a couple of people that no longer are. Those were energy vampires, and they had to go. But yep. now that I have this amazing tribe today, life is just so much different and better. Yeah. yeah, and what was it like, Beth, when you first quit drinking, the first 72 hours, first week, first month? It's not easy, I hear. Just kidding. I know. It's not easy. <laughs> well, it was, it, it was, I was excited, and I told a few close family members, I told my husband, and he was excited, and I, I, I had wanted to get back into running. I had signed up for a half marathon, uh, which I did in March, in September. Oh, nice job. It, Thank you. Um, and I think it was just like on this unconscious level, I like put a challenge out there that, you know, it's so hard, but maybe I could, you know, change myself to do it. And it was so frustrating because I started like running again, September and, and October, and I couldn't run two miles without just feeling awful. And and I used to be able to you know, I'd run a half marathon before and I was I played a lot of sports and I was like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? And once I went for like a few runs, like in the first few weeks of being sober, I was like, oh my gosh, I can do this. Like I'm hydrated. Like I don't, I'm not dehydrating myself. I'm only drinking things that hydrate me now. And and it was like, why didn't I think of this before? Um, I was still pretty scared. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to, I had concert tickets to a few events and I was like, I can't go. I can't 
I can't do this. And Thanksgiving was was tough because, you know, I stopped kind of before the holidays. New Year's Eve, I just, I didn't want to do anything. I was really like, I cannot drink. I cannot drink. Um, And, you know, I was participating in the webinars. I went to a couple AA meetings, but I just, I felt like I needed to just do whatever it took to just not drink. And I was so tempted at first, um, in the first few months to drink, but and hang on, I that, knew that I right there, that, that's a big line in the sand that whatever it took not to drink. And that's, that's huge. Cause it, you know, white knuckling it at times is a big part of recovery. You know, you can't white, white knuckle it for mm-hmm. months and years at a time. That's, that's the, uh, willpower muscle. That's finite yeah. and exhaustible. Yep. But yeah, like it, it, no matter what, I mean, that, no matter what, draw that line in the sand. And, um, and this is a loving podcast, Beth, and uh, everybody's going to be supportive of yours, but you mentioned something about AA, and I'm wondering if, if you switched on that. When you first went into AA, you said, whoa, these people are way more messed up than I am, which, yep. you know, they might be, they might not be. And that's, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm only bringing this up again because that shows me that you're focusing on the differences and not the similarities mm-hmm. because I experienced the same thing with my first AA meeting. I walked in there and I was like, whoa, I don't have... Mm-hmm bankruptcy, divorce, prison, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. These people are way more messed up than I am. And then when I was really ready, you know, I progressed more on my journey. My bottom got a little lower. I got in the rooms and I was like, wait a second. I actually feel at home. Is it yep. different when you go to AA meetings these days? I mean, AA is not for everybody. That's not what I'm trying to tell you right now, but sure. does it feel a little bit different? It was a complete 180 experience. And the first meeting I went to wasn't like as good as some of the others I went to just in terms of the structure, but just sitting down and like taking a deep breath. And as soon as, you know, the moderator just got started and, you know, we were reading from, you know, the literature, it just, I felt so at peace and just the, every single person who spoke, I just like immediately felt this like connection to, and I just, I knew that I had made, it helped me realize I'd made the right decision and I have to just keep on this path. And the second meeting I went to was a speaker meeting, but uh, I just sat down with these, a group of women and I got, you know, all of a sudden everybody just started writing their phone numbers down and they handed it to me. And I was like, Oh, is this for me? Like I actually signed my name on this thing and <laughs> they're like, no, 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 oh, that's, that's for, for you. you Beth. <laughs> It's not a bookmark. So, yeah, and I actually kept in touch with with somebody from there. We texted a few times. I, 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 it's hard for me to to get to meetings at this point with my kids and my schedule. But I definitely think I want to eventually get there because I, I, I'm realizing like every week and that goes by, or every month that goes by in sobriety, like it's so different. Like I've had some really low low weeks where I've like you said, had to white knuckle it or just eat a lot of candy and chocolate, you know, I, like just binge watch TV uh, and, but, you know, and just to get through the day and, you know, not feel like I wanted to go back to drinking. And then there are other days when I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do this webinar and, or I'm ready to, you know, really read these books and like talk to yeah. people, call, you know, call my accountability partner who I didn't get until later on, but mm-hmm. we, uh, yeah, it's great. We just, it's just, I, I feel like I haven't met anybody in cafe area yet, which is crazy because I feel like I know everybody really well and I'm going to meet them 
Philadelphia, which I'm oh, so Beth. excited about. Oh, Beth. Wait a second. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm excited for you. That's that's like getting getting a Porsche, a stick shift Porsche, and only driving in the first uh-huh. two gears. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you got to get outside yeah. your comfort zone and meet some people. And, and we're doing yeah. – I just scheduled Bozeman 2019. We're doing another I one earlier 2019. Like these, saw that. Cafe Ari is cool. Yeah. You know, the virtual part, we're making technology work for us big time. But these these in-person meetings are, are like – just unbelievable. So yeah, I'm excited for you. Um, I can't make yeah. Philadelphia, but you're still going to get a solid crew. It doesn't matter if I'm there or not, who's there or not. It's just, it's, they're awesome. You got to do it. I'm happy yeah. for you. No, I'm really, really excited. Uh, I remember I almost went to Dallas. I, I had actually booked a hotel room, uh, but it just like, it just couldn't happen with like my kids and our schedules. So I remember like saying, I'm going. And I, t- I like texted a friend in the group and I said, I'm going. And then like, I realized I couldn't make it. And I just like canceled it because I didn't want to take up a room, but I was so upset about it. And I, I asked one of the members to like, please, you know, take videos, posts, you know, be a yeah. correspondent for me because, and this person did. And it was, it was great. Like, yeah, that, um, and I saw you guys were playing knockout and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm not missing. Knockout is flush is snake. It's that childhood <laughs> game you played on the playground <laughs> basketball. It was a blast. Yep, and bet that's fine. It. There'll be more meetups that you're going to attend. <laughs> there, there's only going to be more and more. And it, it's, it's, it's going in that direction. I love it. And, and, and listeners, Beth wrote me, uh, an email before we did the interview. And there's a uh-huh. couple things I want to want to talk about and have you chat a little bit more about that. And, and Beth, sure. one of those lines said, Lately, I've come to finally understand how alcohol has affected my life. I see the progression with my addiction that happened throughout my adult life. It was so insidious and held me back from so many life opportunities. Now, what you just said, we need to distance ourselves from alcohol for a good chunk of time, whether it be a month to six months to a year, for us to be able to look back in the rearview mirror and say, holy shit, alcohol is shit. So talk to us more about that sentence for us. Yes, and this has really just been happening over the last couple of weeks, which is why I reached out to you, because I knew that I was on the right track, but I still have this fear of relapsing. Like, I, I, was, I, had, a, I had a tough night with um, one of my kids, and I was so stressed out and exhausted, and I, I thought to myself, if there was alcohol in the house right now, I don't think I could resist it. Like, my husband was great. He doesn't drink much. So he was like, we'll get, you know, he got it all out of the house. But that scared me because my, like, my brain, I I rationalized so many reasons to drink. And and I love the Annie Grace, like, unconscious versus conscious Mm -hmm. thinking, the cognitive dissonance. Yeah, like, I can't let my guard down. Like, I was totally run by my unconscious for so many just moments in my life. Like, and now I'm finally more conscious. So I don't want to I want, I don't want to lose that. I'm feeling like I'm just, everything is better right now. I'm just so much more present with my kids. I see my kids are just happier in general because I'm just there for them. Mm -hmm. And I'm not as worried. I used to be so worried about the house being a mess or being like late for something. Now I'm just like easy on myself. Like, you know, of course this is hard. You have three kids and you've got a deadline and, you know, go, don't worry about it. Like, do what you need to do, and that's that's it. Mm-hmm. Like I used to just be, like, I you know, be like this perfectionist mentality, and and it's like it keeps getting better, and I keep feeling so much. I, I'm forgiving myself. I had so much shame at first. Like you know, why did I do that? Why did I 
why did I not go out for soccer in college? Or why didn't I take that, you know, one writing job that, you know, I knew would probably help me get in with this company, but I was just too tired to really, like, get my brain wrapped around it and just mm-hmm. with the kids and stuff. And I also went through a divorce. And so just, there was just, so I, I've just always been stressed and I've always turned to alcohol and it's, it just was, and, and it just wasn't working for me the way it used to. It was, you know, becoming just this thing I, I needed and so getting more and more unhappy and, and things weren't getting easier in my life. Like things were getting more stressful. My sister used to live right by me and she moved, moved away, which I, I like, I was heartbroken by it. That is a little codependency with family there, <laughs> but I'm learning how to do things on my own and not rely on people so much. And that is so, like, I can do it now. I feel confident that I can do it. And I'm so excited, like, just to keep growing. And I know, like, I, I just see it now that having alcohol just not in my life is just, that's what, that was, that was like a huge, that was the key. So I, I don't want to forget that. Beth, I'm so happy for you because you gave yourself <laughs> the gift of clarity and you're looking back. <laughs> And you said you just started to realize this like two weeks ago. You're like, oh, my God. It's only going to get more profound and only get clear looking back. And there's two other things you wrote me I want to comment on. And we don't have that much time left, so we kind of got to go quick. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if you listeners, if you join Cafe RE, there is a 27% chance you're going to accidentally post on your regular Facebook page. Oh, yes, I did that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just telling you right now. And that is a beautiful thing. And you're doing yourself a favor, but when it posts, you feel like you're freaking out, like Q anxiety attack, mm-hmm. et cetera. So you said, I accidentally posted about my three months of sobriety on my regular Facebook page back in January. I had three moms unexpectedly reach out in understanding. I wasn't ready for the world to know yet. So I took it down, which is fine, <laughs> but, uh, I hope we get there again, maybe at the one year mark to put it, put it publicly back up, but tell us about mm-hmm. that moment for you in, in, in just a minute or two. You know, I took it down when I saw people, I saw where I had posted it, and the moms who had liked it were were moms that I actually felt, you know, totally fine with knowing, and I, I, one of them I had already told. The other two, I, I I just, I felt like I needed to, like, explain myself. I said, I just, I personal messaged them, and I said, thanks for your, uh, your like. This is new for me, um. You know, I kind of, can you keep this, you know, uh, like on the hush-hush? And one of the moms was like, oh, yeah, of course. I'm so happy for you. That's wonderful. And then the other mom was like, I'm in the same exact boat. I I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Can you, you know, do you have, like, how did you do it? Like, and she also has three children. And and I never would have assumed this about her, that she was struggling in this way because she just, you know, she's, she's doing it, but I know she had a lot of stress and had moved and whatnot. Anyway, like we, you know, we were messaging back and forth and I actually, you know, she asked me, she told me she had ordered some books on alcoholism and, you know, she had already started to question it. And I gave her your, you know, your website and I told her about the podcast and yeah. And I, you know, I kept telling her, please call me, reach out to me anytime. You know, this is so you can do it and it's better and you don't need the alcohol. And I never really heard from her after that. I've seen her and, you know, just like chit chatted a little bit, but so I don't know where she is. And, but I just like, it made me realize that like, wow, there are a lot of people like really struggling and they seem to be okay out to the outside world. But Mm -hmm. you know, there's a stigma and like, I, 
you know, that's why I took it down because I didn't want everybody to know and, you know, had an alcohol issue. Or well, why is that? Struggle. Why don't you want just, people to know that you have a disease that you can't help or you have a problem with alcohol that, that just that's how it goes? How come? I'm kind um, of playing the devil's advocate because I was there myself. Sure. I mean, it's just a question. Well, um, I, it's just, I used to just hear people, you know, say things like, oh, look at that drunk person. Like, oh, they're so gross. You know, like, I, I, I don't know. And I even, like, used to get a little, like, turned off by people who were wasted. You know, if I wasn't drinking, you know, if I was the one passed out on the floor, like, plenty of times. But I don't know. I just, it, it just feels like, you're, you know, you've got something wrong with you. Like, you're an alcoholic. You have, you know, a disease. You have something wrong with you. You know, you can't control yourself. You're a bad person. You're selfish. You know, you hear those things all the time. And, like, the fact is, too, like, alcohol is so easy to get at any age. Like, marijuana mm -hmm. is not a gateway drug. Alcohol is a gateway drug, yeah, that's in truth. my opinion. It's, no, that, that, that's, that's a difficult question, and I almost had to stop you there because it was hard to hear, and it's, it's just mm -hmm. so untrue. It's so untrue. There's nothing wrong with you, Beth. There's nothing wrong mm -hmm. with me at all. And alcohol no. is the most addictive <laughs> drug on the planet, and some of us, yeah. we have genetic predispositions, which accounts for part of it, and it sounds, and, you know, and everybody's life is different. And Beth, we have reached the rapid fire round. If you can answer these questions okay. in 30 to 60 seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Number one, Beth, what was your worst memory from drinking? Okay. Uh, right off the top of my head, it was my birthday in, when I was living in New York City, and we had just we were bar hopping, had a great dinner, and everyone was still having fun, um, but it was it was like maybe 11, 11.30, which uh, in New York City time, that's really early, and I just wanted to go home, but uh, I didn't tell anybody. I just went home. And I got home to my apartment, and I just couldn't even get the keys out of my, my purse. And I just passed out on the floor. And the, I woke up when my friend came and was like, Beth, are you okay? <laughs> you know, and this was my birthday. I think it was like my 22nd, 3rd birthday or something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was pretty bad. Gotcha. And next question, Beth, we've all heard the aha moment. When was your oh shit moment indicating that you can't control your drinking? do I pick? Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, man. I, I It's hard. I guess went to a concert for my daughter's birthday, and it was, you know, middle of the day, and I just, I, I just needed a beer so badly. I just needed a beer, and I looked over, and the line for the beer was so long, and you know, my son was with me, and he was thirsty, and I had to go to the bathroom, and I made him come with me. He's like, Mom, can we please just go? You know, you, this is too long. I'm like, no, I need to get this beer. And it was like $18, and I'm, like, drinking it and, like, have my toddler on my back. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, what? Like, why am I doing this? This is not helping anybody. That's that's a good one, and I've had a bunch of those myself. And, and next question, Beth, with six months of sobriety and some change, what's your plan moving forward? My plan is to just continue just staying healthy, being present with my kids, you know, just working day by day to, like, become more organized. I'm very disorganized, and I'm still – there's a lot of things I need to get organized with. And just, just be comfortable being myself, uh, which uh, 
strangely, the reason I drove, dr- drank was because I wasn't comfortable with myself. But now it's like I, I don't I I can I don't mind talking to anybody. I'm not like afraid anymore. Like I don't have that anxiety there all the time. You know, I'm happy with I'm becoming so much more happy with who I am, and I that it's like you know it doesn't matter. I just want to keep just learning and enjoying life and being grateful. I love it. I love it. And next question: What's your favorite resource in recovery? Well, definitely the Cafe RE group uh, because it is like a resource within a resource within a resource because (laughs) I (laughs) if I I need a resource, I just go there and somebody's got just a great recommendation or a podcast or a song or just – and if I have a question, I just type it and somebody – I get a flood of answers and just the people are – it's amazing. It's amazing how like just real and honest and open it, it people are. So I would definitely say that. And oh, I had another one, but I can't remember it. That's that I right. Because it's your favorite. Well, and thank you for being part of Cafe uh, I mean, and I'm very much oh, yeah. appreciate for that. And and what parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners who are in recovery or thinking about getting sober? If one drink just doesn't, you know, do anything for you. And you, you, you just feel like you need to have more than one drink. You need to get, you need to change the way you feel at that moment in time with alcohol, then you have a problem and just, you know, just stop drinking. It's a poison. You don't need it. Like there are so many other things like, you know, take a deep breath, like go outside. Drinking is just so not worth it. Like I wish I quit like 20, 15 years ago. It's like, it's just so dumb. I don't know if that helps, but yeah, just like (laughs) trust your gut. You know, if if something Mm -hmm. makes you feel awful, like the next day, it's not worth it. It's bad. Trust your gut. Your heart's leading you in the right direction. And, and Beth, before Mm -hmm. we depart, give listeners your own customized, you might be an alcoholic gift line. Okay. Um, you might be an alcoholic if you, you're pregnant, but only like, you know, four weeks, you don't want to tell anybody. And you uh, walk into, you know, this party with, like, a whole bunch of your friends and your, you know, one friend comes up to you and is like, hi, how you doing? Let's go get a drink. And you say, oh, I'm not drinking tonight. Wait, what? Are you pregnant? <laughs> and this is somebody who I'd never, you know, really even talked about having kids with at that, you know. So, yeah, you know, she just knew me as somebody who just always would need a drink. A and, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, we broke the cycle. Congratulations, Beth. Thank you so much you. for joining Thank us on the podcast. Thank you so much. Yes, this was awesome. Thanks, Paul. Enjoy yourself. Love yourself. Okay, this was an even bigger concept in recovery than I had ever known. It's important we love ourselves, and here's a life hack to do that. So, what is something that we look at 30 to 40 times a day? That number is actually a ballpark number. It could be more, it could be less. That would be our smartphones. I recently put my favorite picture of myself when I was five years old as a screensaver on my smartphone. In that photo, I've got blonde hair, blue eyes, there's, there's arches in the background where it's Arches National Park in Southern Utah, and I've got a cricket on my hand. I found a cricket, and I did the two and a half mile hike back to the parking lot with a cricket on my hand. My soul was perfect at that time in life. I simply love that guy. So every time I pull up my phone, enter my six-digit code into the world of technology today, that's who I see first. And it instantly, it just does something in my brain. It puts me at ease because I'm never leaving that guy again. I love him. He's the man.
So I highly encourage you, find your favorite baby photo. Take a photo of it, screenshot it, whatever. Put it on your home screen, your lock screen, whatever, and keep it. Keep it there for a while. Because you don't know when you're going to have that rough day, you're going to slide up on your phone and just say, whoa, there was a time when everything was perfect without a drink. Yes. And we're going to get back to just that time. Recovery elevator. We took the elevator down. We got to take the stairs back up. We can do this.